Thank you. And good morning, friends. Uh, if you and I haven't had the pleasure of meeting, my name is Sia, and I used to do kids' church here, which is why I'm the beloved son. Um, and then I went down to Florida Road to go lead the young adults there. Uh, now still leading the young adults, still leading the evening service, still quite involved um, and committed to building his kingdom. Um, yeah, what else can I tell you? Recently got engaged, which is really cool. Uh, yeah, thank you. She's so lucky. Um, <laughs> that's a joke. We're both very lucky. <laughs> oh, picture. Oh, no, shame. Sorry, I didn't have a picture. I'll come see me afterwards. <laughs> um, but yeah, some really cool stuff just happening outside of work in my own personal life, so... Excited about that. God is still doing some really cool things. I genuinely believe that we have the coolest slash best YA ministry in all of Durban, if not KZN. Um, we're doing really, really good work. Guys that are plugged into church. So it's not just about... Um, I just feel like very loud. Can you guys not hear me at the back? Okay, I'll do this. Um, I really do feel like getting guys connected, plugged into community, experiencing God, and serving and building His kingdom both in the church and out the church is a mark of a really mature young person. And our guys get to do that. We have outreaches quite often um, into the city. So just seeing our guys give back is such a privilege. Um, but yeah, I'm going to jump right into this morning's message and our series as a whole uh, here at Olive Tree Church. We are in a series that's speaking about enjoying, enjoying God. Now, for some of us, or most of us probably, this is a new concept, a new point of thinking, a new truth that we have to try and unpack and understand. Um, but I'd like to submit to us this morning that if we don't enjoy God well, it has a cascading effect on every other aspect of how we walk out our faith journey. If I don't enjoy God well, I'm not going to serve well. If I don't enjoy God well, I'm not going to give well. If I don't enjoy God well, I'm not going to love well. If I don't enjoy God well, I'm not going to release the potential inside of me and then uh, inside of the people that are around me. If I don't enjoy God well, my life won't be submitted to where he wants me and where he places me. My life is going to exist under the realm of what works for me. And my prayer life will be around, God, I'm doing this thing, make it work for me. And that kind of relationship that we, that with God is, um, exists around this idea of consumerism. So I get from God, I don't give to him. And we want to change that and reshape that and break up that uh, point of thinking. Because uh, our lives, I do believe, and scripture supports this, is that we, we're meant to be submitted completely to God. Not in parts or in bits and pieces, not in, I'll hold on to this that actually I feel like I can take care of, but every aspect of my life should be submitted to God, and what he says and breathes over that is how he wants to work and breathe over that aspect. So this, this morning, I want to speak about enjoying God in serving, enjoying God in serving. Now, just a front-end disclaimer, this isn't a message about um, you serving church, that's a, that's a byproduct, and if you, we get to that point, that point absolutely, where there's not going to be some hurrah at the end saying, cool, there's going to be a signing desk or signing thing at the back there, find a place where you can serve. If that's the response, amazing. However, that's not what I want to speak about this morning. I want to I speak on this idea. So if we speak on serving, 
we, can we all just agree, it's giving up something. You give up your time, you give up your talents, you give up your thinking, you give up your, your, you give up, you surrender something for something bigger than just yourself. Can we all agree that if we use that definition of serving? I am serving something bigger than me. I am laying myself down for something bigger than me. So with that backdrop, my experience of serving growing up was always from a place of I have to, not I get to. So when we were kids, so my, my growing up black, so um, is, guys always work outside. That's their responsibility. Take care of the garden, uh, feed the dogs, feed the chickens. You know, like we had to do all the outside work. And then the girls uh, do the inside work. They cook, they clean. Um, so my mom wanted to break that paradigm a little bit because she didn't want, didn't want to raise boys that can't cook and can't clean and can't take care of themselves because obviously you're going to go off to university at some point and you have to look after yourself. So uh, we had to do both. So I have I had three siblings. <laughs> I, had, I had three siblings. I had a brother and a sister. And uh, so now during school time, uh, in the school holidays, uh, that's when we, I would have real time to do stuff on the weekends because um, I had sports when I was school. So I'd wake up at like the crack of dawn, uh, go do the garden, clean it. Now, this is like five o'clock in the morning all the way up until six because I don't like stopping to eat because then I'm like, I'm, you're sluggish and a little bit lethargic now after you've eaten. So I don't eat. I just try and get it done all in one go. And then when I enter into the house, I want to now, I've, I've done my bit. What I'm responsible for, I have done my piece. Now all I want to do is get in the house, uh, shower, clean up myself, and then eat and chill. Like, I've done my part. My sister's responsibility was to do all the inside stuff, right? I, I walk into the door, and mom's like, won't you just help your sister with the dishes? I'm like, bruh, that's her job. I didn't say this, because obviously I wouldn't be alive today if I did. Um, but I would be like, I think that, like, surely she should be doing that, because that's her bit. And that's what was happening in that moment. Mom's asking me, won't you serve your sister. Now, I did it because I had to, not because I, I got to do that for her. Uh, or my, so my brother, my sister, myself, my sister would do the morning dishes, my brother the midday dishes, I would do the evening dish, dishes. So my mom likes to have like a beverage in the evening at some point. So I do the dishes. They're all sitting watching TV now in the evening. And then I, uh, as soon as I'm done, I've been there for like 30 odd minutes, I sit down and mom's like, why don't you just make me some tea. I'm like, you have two other children that were sitting right in front of you um, this whole time. So obviously I had to get up and go do that. But the opposite end of that spectrum is knowing the rhythm of my mom to actually, when I'm done, turn on the kettle, look beyond myself in that moment, make some tea for her and bring her some tea. Serving her outside of what I have to do, but what I get to do. I want to touch on something this morning, and it's this principle, the idea of we is greater than me. We is greater than me. And I want to speak about different types of relationships, and then and the, the pinnacle of those is, is marriage. And this is like relationships that you opt into. So a friendship, you opt into a friendship, you opt into uh, marriage, you opt into, those are things that you choose. But the reason I'm speaking about marriage is because there's a covenant, there's a binding covenant that it's established in marriage. And that is supposed to hold you guys together or play some role in holding a marriage together. Now, obviously, the thing that makes a marriage work are the people involved in the marriage. Um, 
It's not like your vows are going to make you guys have a great marriage. That's, <laughs> that's not true. Um, so I'm going to read a portion of scripture, and I'm going to share my thoughts. I'm going to say this again, my thoughts. If you believe different, that's okay. You have a right to be wrong. But these, these are, <laughs> these are <laughs> my thoughts. Um, and I'm going to ask us a little bit of a question. I was, I was joking. If you have different opinions, you could very well be right. Um, so Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21, it says this. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they feed and care for their body, just as Christ does the church, for we are the members of his body. And I'm just going to stop there because I think that really sums it up well. But I have a question for us this morning. What do you guys think, and you don't have to answer me, uh, what do you guys think makes a marriage fail? What makes a marriage not work? And when I say not work, I mean like eventually lead to a point of divorce. Now, I'm also not talking about the symptoms, like what root cause makes a marriage not work? Now, the perfect answer could be if they don't do this. If they don't do this, a marriage won't work, and you'd be, you'd be right. But there's something about not doing this that makes a marriage not work. If a spouse, whichever, begins to live their life governed by what they want and what they are doing to serve their own narrative or serve their own desires, no matter who they're married to, how great they can be, that marriage is either going to be incredibly hard or is going to lead to divorce. If I, as a spouse, only ever do something that serves me and not what works for the covenant that we entered into, so our we and the things that we both value, that marriage won't work. If, if we say that we value dinner time, so at dinner time, I should be there as a spouse, should be at the table, we're sitting, we're engaging, chatting about the day, whatever the case is, we value dinner time. If I'm out with the boys at uh, 5.30 and dinner time was at 6 o'clock, and 6 o'clock comes around, if I don't prioritize what we value and serve only what works for me, that's going to lead to a point of conflict. Do that often enough in multiple areas in marriage. That's going to lead to multiple areas of conflict and then conversely or eventually um, divorce years later. However, if I understand that entering into this covenant is about what we value and not just what I value, then when I see it's 5.30, then being out with the boys is no longer worth doing because it's going to compromise what we believe in, which means I need to give up something that works for me for what works for we. Because when we want to enter into marriage, we matters so much more than me. So then the opposite should be true then. If I am all about we, if I do things that we value, now this is just the one side, and I'm not thinking about if I do X, then my spouse will do Y in return. No, no, no. 
I've got to trust that what they're giving is 100% of themselves committed to what we value. I've got to give the best of myself to what we value, not expecting something in return. So if I, do, I get her flowers on Valentine's Day or I get her something, I'm not waiting to get something back. I'm giving just because I'm serving the relationship, the marriage, so that it thrives. I'm not speaking about a good marriage. I'm talking about a great marriage. If we both value what we value, this thing has every, so all the right ingredients for it to be successful. Beautiful, both parties feel seen, both parties feel connected to, both parties feel loved in the way that they want to be loved, both parties, blah, 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 Go, and it goes on. So it means that when, when uh, now in, in the realm of understanding how marriage works, if she asks me, uh, how was your day? My response can't be good and end there. Because she's not asking me just how my day was. She's asking, what happened in your day? How do you feel about what happened in your day? How's it going to affect the way that you think or navigate? So my answer isn't just what serves me. Saying good is what serves me as a guy because guys really give short answers to stuff. But if I value we, which is being open, communicating, then I have to give a detailed answer. My day was good for these reasons. I encountered this, these problems, and this is how I felt. Even if it might seem like an inconvenience, but I'm committed to what works for we and not what works for me. Now, if I apply this principle into every area of marriage, I refuse to believe that that marriage will not thrive, absolutely thrive. Now, this portion of scripture that you and I just read has two parts to it. It has the you and I responding to what, what Christ did for us, so you as a spouse for your spouse, but also what Christ did for you and I. For Christ to be able to get to a point of serving the body, he actually had to serve something else before he got to serving the body. And that's what we really want to rest on this morning, is that for you and I to be able to serve people well, for you and I to be able to love the church well, for you and I to be able to serve our city well, we need to submit ourselves to God. That means that when you and I choose to follow Jesus, we enter into a covenant relationship, which means that it is about we and not me. Now, unlike our spouses, God does not fail. God is never late. God knows exactly what you need when you need it. God always listens. He has the perfect response to anything that you could ever navigate. He is all-powerful. He has all that you need. Therefore, I don't have to worry about God doing his part. He is absolutely going to do his part. My part is submitting myself to him. You and I get to take our cue from Jesus. But before we get to Jesus, because it can often seem like, okay, well, he was a son of God. I don't think I can reach that point. There were a few examples of people that did follow his example that you and I can glean and learn from. People like Paul, people like James, people like Peter. Paul himself writes this quite a few times. And this is after his encounter with God. So after he's entered into the covenant relationship with God. So he says this in Romans chapter 1 verse 1. It says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. Translation, we is greater than me. We is greater than me. 
Or in Titus 1.1, Paul, a servant of God and of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth, which uh, accords with godliness. Translation, we is greater than me. I am not here of my own accord. I am not here doing this thing for myself. I am submitted to God. Or Philippians 1.1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi, with the overseers and deacons. Paul is committed to God. Paul submits his life to God to, to the point where wherever God calls him to go, he goes. Whatever God tells him to do, he does. His life, not parts of it, is committed and submitted to we. Whatever works for we, God, I'll do it. And this isn't guaranteeing or even saying that the commitment to that means that our lives, are going to, our lives are going to be completely prosperous and good and nothing bad will happen. Absolutely not. There are still things that are going to happen to us that we might not like or aren't good. But if we get to a point of submitting ourselves to God completely and utterly, it affects our ability to enjoy him. To the point of, if I ever enter into a prison, I can still respond with praise. Which is exactly what Paul did. If I'm shipwrecked, whatever is happening here, God is still good, even if it is not good. We get to respond that way only from a place of really, completely and fully enjoying God, which means that we need to be submitted to him completely and utterly, not in parts, not in portions, not in pieces, but completely every part of who I am, every part of my life, every part of what I want to happen is, is submitted to his plan, his way, and his purpose. I am about you, God, and only you. I'm not building a life here on earth and asking you to make it work. James, the brother of Jesus, who wasn't a believer at the time, found Jesus after the fact, says this in James 1.1, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the 12 tribes in the dispersion, Greetings. Translation, we is greater than me. He later on writes one of the most difficult verses to read. He says, consider it pure joy when you experience struggles or trials or um, tribulations of all kinds. You don't get to write that if you don't enjoy being with God. If our lives are completely about me, then our relationship to him is going to be through the lens of, if God doesn't make this thing work for me, then he must not be good. If God doesn't help me build my life, then he must not be good. He must not be all-powerful. He must not be a great waiter in heaven ready to take my order. He must not be who he says he is because he's not helping me get what I want to get, get to where I want to get. Then it leads to a a whole lot of pain if our lives are about me. If your life is about you, there's some pain along the way because God isn't completely and utterly just about you, waiting with a pen and a paper to do what you ask him to do. However, if we commit ourselves to we, whatever that looks like, whatever form that takes, we give ourselves the best chance to enjoy him for who he is and not what he does. Because where he asks you to go, there might be a shipwreck along the way. Where he, what he asks you to do, there might be some suffering as part of the journey. What he uh, places within you might shake up some environments wherever you go. 
But if we know him and see him for who he is, we get to enjoy him and not necessarily how the situation, circumstance, or the things that we face play out. Even if it is not good, we can understand that he is still good. Enough to turn a trial into a testimony. We give ourselves the best chance if we submit ourselves to him, to enjoy him for who he is. Now let's look at Jesus. Because he is our blueprint. He is our prime example. You and I need not look any further if we only ever really read the Gospels. We get enough juice and content there to live the rest of our lives. But obviously there's still more to enjoy and see of God. But let's just look at how he lived his life. Because these guys drew from him, drew an example for how, from how he lived his life and how he governed himself based on his relationship with God. He lived a pretty ordinary life until he was about 30 years old. Had a radical encounter with God, got baptized, got affirmed by God, got tested in the wilderness. And then he began the ministry of bringing the kingdom of God down to earth. And he says stuff like this throughout the early stages and then on. He says uh, in John chapter, 30, John chapter 4 verse 34, he says, Jesus said to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. John 5, verse 30, I can do nothing of my own initiative. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I do not seek my own will, but the will of him who sent me. John 6, verse 38, for I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. To be able to serve the church of God, the body of Christ, he had to submit himself to his father. Let's just play out a different scenario. If Jesus, and when the moment arose for him to give his life to God and follow the plan and purpose that he came here on earth to do or fulfill, if he was about, actually, no, I'm not, I don't think this is going to work out for me. Who wants to live a life where they're just going to die and know exactly when it's going to happen? And was about himself. Would you and I be sitting here today? Probably not, Right? But to be able to serve the church, he had to first understand what it looks like to serve God. Which means, serve in, in the Hebrew is avodah, which means to worship. And worship isn't just a song lay, raised up, but a life laid down. So he does only what his father tells him to do. Goes only where his father tells him to go. Is about the father's will. And most of us know that this led him to the point where he prays this prayer in Matthew verse 26, uh, chapter 26, verse 39. And he went a little beyond them and fell on his face, praying, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Even Jesus had to navigate what works for me. But because he's committed to his relationship with his father, it can't just be about me. He says, yet, not my will, but your will. You and I get to pray those bold prayers when we experience a moment of trial or tribulation, experience a moment of difficulty, experience a moment of confliction, of desire, or even, well, God, I want to do this thing, but not what works for me, God. Help me to work, to do what works for we. Help me to submit myself to your plan. 
I won't leave the country just because that is easy and convenient for me, but I'm going to submit myself to what you want me to do and achieve and fulfill here in South Africa. I'm not going to raise my kids the way I want to raise them, but I'll raise them in the ways of God. So I'm about we and not me. I'm not going to make my business about making money, but making a difference because I'm committed to we and not me. I'm not going to hold off my finances, but I'm going to be generous in how I choose to give because I'm committed to we and not me. And time and time again, you'll see his goodness. You'll see his grace. You'll see his love extended to you so you know him enough to enjoy him when things don't go the way that you want them to go. Friends, the fruit of our lives is actually found in the submission to God completely and thoroughly. Not in parts and not in pieces, but completely. That's a very, very difficult thing to do. No one is, I'm not trying to make this decision light. I'm not trying to make this way of living light. Because there's a cross for us as well. We need to crucify ourselves daily, the Bible says. If we want to live in the space of enjoying God and how we serve him first. So when we read verses like, seek ye first the kingdom of God. We're about his business first and not our own. We're about his will first and not our own. From that place, you and I actually get to experience his provision, his power, his purpose, his plan. We get to see that we are in safe hands. Because they're not our own. We might fail, but he never will. We might not have the best response, but he always does. We might not know the way forward, but he always knows a way out. Question is, are you and I willing to trust him with our lives? Because that's really the hindrance to this thing. If I don't trust him, ain't no way I'm going to submit myself to him. Are you and I willing to place our lives and all that matters to us in his hands and just be about his will, his plan, and his purposes. Because there is enjoyment there that you and I can never find if we are about our own business in our own way. Are you guys still with me? I'm seeing some long faces there. Oh. <laughs> Fire and I'll give up my life. But honestly, there is some enjoyment on the other side of our submission that we can never find if you and I only live for what's good for ourselves. We have to be about God's business. If we want to truly enjoy him, whether the times are good or not. It takes a whole lot of courage. It takes a whole lot of bravery to be able to choose to live your life this way. But I refuse to believe that he won't take care of you if you do. So if you want to be able to enjoy God in serving the city, serving this church, serving your business, serving your family, serving your spouse, submit yourself to your father. And then as Christ submit himself to his, so you and I could be seated here enjoying a relationship with him. Amen? Amen? Come on, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, thank you so much, Dad, that you first made a way 
for us to be able to get to you. We thank you for your son who submitted himself into your plan, uh, not only for his life, but for all of humanity. We pray now, God, that by the power of your spirit, in Jesus' name, that you would give us the courage to follow his example. However difficult or however um, trying this might be for each and every single one of us, but won't you just help us to take small steps each and every single day to a point of completely submitting to you. I pray for joy along the way. I pray for a ton of peace. I pray for so much more grace and your love that always, always abounds to us. Help us to uh, experience new ways to enjoy you in this journey. In Jesus' name, amen.